Hello there. Connect Podcast starts here. Your moment for updating and analyzing Brazilian and worldwide maritime and port infrastructure issues. Each episode will bring specialists of the services, products, and innovations that propel the industry and helps to integrate people and countries. I'm Eduardo Valença, Towage Sales and Digital Solutions Manager at Wilson Sons. I'm Eliso Dourado, the Towage Commercial Director of Wilson Sons. And we would like to invite you to join us in this roundtable that connects professional, the industry, and technology. In this episode, we'll talk about shipbuilding and how this activity has been behaving not only to meet foreign trade demand and the consequent increase in the size of the vessels, but also how the ongoing change in the market to ensure sustainability via ESG commitments. To start, I will come our guest, Adalberto Souza, Executive Director of Wilson Sons Shipyard, and Robert Seeger, Sales Manager of Americas at Dama Shipyards Group. Welcome, Adalberto. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Elisio Eduardo. Thank you both. As you told, my name is Adalberto. I'm the Shipyard Executive Director. I'm a naval architect with over 40 years in experience in shipbuilding in industry. Pay attention, over 40 years. Is the youngest mind that you have here. <laughs> thank you, Elisio. Thank you, Eduardo. Said I am Ruben Sakhar. I'm responsible on behalf of Diamond Shipyards uh, for all of the commercial activities in Brazil. We are a global shipbuilder uh, around the world with a very wide uh, portfolio of vessels we built and with a very valuable and long relationship to the Brazilian market. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Adalberto, to be here with us. So if we add the working experience of both of you in the shipbuilding industry, we have almost 55, 60 years of experience. So Adalberto, by this time, more than 40 years, as you said, working in naval architecture with a huge working experience, not only in Brazil, but also in the UK, Japan, and other countries. In your opinion, what has changed in the ship industry throughout all these years? In terms of shipbuilding industry, I can mention uh, this development of new technologies to improve the productivity and reduce what the effect, what I say, craftsmen or the artisan. In the beginning and up to nowadays, if you go to a sailboat, wooden sailboat, you need a lot of artisan to produce. But in steel work, we need to avoid this type of man activity. So technology in terms of improve the productivity is the key word for us. I can give you an example. In 1984, most of you just born for just man. I was in IHA, Eskabashima Harima in Japan. When they start the process of welding using robots. So 1984, over almost 30 years ago, they started the process. So this is the reason developed all the kind of technologies to improve the productivity. As you know, the technology of engine or uh, system to control the vessels is available all over the world, but the main power is locally. So develop this activity is one of what I saw during the years. That's my experience, Edward. Nice. Good to hear. And, and Robin, we know that the pandemic highlighted the importance of technology, as Adalberto said. I mean, despite all the technology that we have been foreseeing and seeing in the shipbuilding 
industry over the last years. The pandemic, I would say, highlighted uh, this transformation, uh, not only across the shipbuilding for sure, but across all types of industries. So, but looking at specifically at our activity here, what are the challenges and lessons uh, learned from these last two years? And what do you expect from the future? Interesting uh, question, Eduardo. For me, what was interesting to see during the pandemic is that a lot of people needed to adjust their human behavior, their rhythms, what they do from a day-to-day business. I got huge respect for the people engaged at the shipyards, at towage, at industries where you physically need to be at a certain location to do your work. Um, me, from a office perspective, had to adjust my daily rhythm, but this was very well supported by technology. And this is, I would say, what we learned a lot. Um, the key message for me, what I learned from the pandemic is it's not the technology we are waiting for. The technology is there. There's lots of technologies that we can adopt as humans to increase our productivity and optimize our operations. It's the human behavior of uh, certain routines that is keeping us where we are. Okay, thank you, Robin. Thank you, Adalberto. Nice to hear an experienced mind and a young one. Moving forward, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, the ESG agenda has come to stay. As I am a commercial guy, I hear a lot of my clients' demands. What are they doing about it? What are plans in the future to address this reduce emission, to address our reduce greenhouse emissions? I mean, I know there is still many challenges ahead. The port is part of the city environment. If you go Rio de Janeiro or go Hamburg, you see that the port is part of the city. So it matters a lot what are you doing here to address this environment agenda. So I would like to know, in your opinion, how the industry will address this. Do you think there is the autonomous vessel is a key answer for that? I mean, we can optimize the navigation. You can reduce the fuel consumption. I want to hear a little more of you guys what you think about it. Even if if you have to address the IMO tier 3 regulation that comes to place, I would like to see in this part of the technology will help us to address this problem because, I mean, nowadays I think that every company wants to become green. So I want you to hear a little bit about you guys uh, about this. Roberto, you can go first. For sure, the shipbuilding community is driven to search ways to reduce emissions. This is the target. The problem is to get maturity technology on the present alternatives. So as you know, we can see prototypes of using batteries, using ammonia, using the green hydrogen in order to most of them under construction also. But in our case, thinking in my activity, tugboats, my problem is where to supply, how to storage it, all these kind of criteria that must be involved. So the problem for us is store energy on board, mainly in tugboats, where you have a small space in comparison with the big valley vessel, these kind of things. So as you know, we have a small casco, a small hull, 24, 25 meters, and high power. How to change this kind of combination? How to combine? This is a target. For sure, there will be under construction prototype for batteries, ammonia, green hydrogen. But let's see. Let's see the consequences. Okay. How about you, Robin? All the experience that the dummy has to 
could you give us a clue regarding autonomous navigation? If you are ready for that, the legal framework, because I think it's going to be a challenge for all the countries to get in a common ground because, I mean, you have safety issues, you have crew issues because you have like, a, you have to reduce the crew on board. What are your thoughts about it? Very interesting subject uh, you touch upon, uh, Elisio. What we see, and I think most of the listeners will be aware, the maritime industry is a very international industry. And therefore, unfortunately, the legislation is, is slow to agree on. Multiple countries need to agree on certain regulations to be implemented before it gets into force. And even then, very often, it only becomes into force for uh, new building vessels as of that moment, which makes us a, a slow-moving industry. But luckily, on the other hand, there is many, many entrepreneurial companies who see the urge of changing what we've been doing for the last years and are showing that the technology is there to reduce the emission of the vessels. The subject of having autonomous vessels, uh, I think, is a very interesting solution to increase the safety and reduce the human error component in the operation. But for sure, to implement such a new technology within uh, the very busy ports that our vessels operate in and within the legal frameworks that we still have to adhere to is a big challenge. And that is where we as a shipyard try to use the experience from different areas in the world. There are some countries with a very creative mind and allowing for trials. Uh, We're trying to adopt this technology or trials and make it available to all of our clients around the world. It is this kind of autonomous is very easy, depends on the type of vessel to apply. For instance, a ferry boat connects two points is is it to be the start for this automation but tugboats operate in different position of the harbor the port will be a very very long step to go okay i understood that i have a longer way around for us hobby for sure uh, i think we discussed in other forums amongst each other that for sure the long-term objectives is autonomous but i think it all will go with small steps that we can implement nowadays and in two years time and in four years time and this relates to remote operation to already reduce the number of crew on board while still having backup scenarios and so on. So it's not a single goal that we need to achieve at once. It is a road we have to walk together with having the same objective at the end of the road, which is being autonomous operations. can say there are still many challenges ahead to fully address this agenda, such as the size of the investment, the infrastructure issues, as Adalberto said, and of course, the current uh, worldwide fleet. But I would like to jump in, in what Adalberto said before about Vale, maybe taking a hook on that. In the last months, Vale announced an air bubble technology test on the whole of one of its vessels. So with this technology, they are expecting to reduce the friction between the hull and the water and therefore reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So what do you guys think about this technology? I mean, there are more examples of what we can do with the current fleet. I mean, instead of building vessels from the scratch, autonomous uh, batteries, ones, I mean, what we can do with what we have nowadays? Eduardo, is easy to value to produce, to use this technology as a bubble, as wind, because they have big vessels. Imagine a tugboat, that's the high power is applied on the speed is zero. So it's different, different proposal. 
So my opinion is based on my experience with tongue. It's difficult to apply. You need to search different ways, not a bubble, not uh, some wind, this kind of things. Never forget, as I told, you have a very short vessel and high power on that. And use of this high power is zero speed. It's difficult. This is the target. So the idea is my personal opinion that our way to go is for the hybrid tug to know that to start this reducing the emission. That's my opinion, Robin. I think it is very interesting that Vale is investing and researching this kind of adaptation in the current fleet. Two comments I would like to make. For sure, for such a big vessel, for long transportation, it makes a lot of sense to reduce the resistance, which in the end will result in less fuel consumption. So from technical side, there's two parts that create emission. One is the resistance of the vessel and two is the engine or the power source that actually needs to create the power. So there's two sides of the equation you can try to influence. As Alberto says, for the tugboat, this is a really a different equation, but we are able to work on the other side, on the power source side, trying to get the same bollard pool with less installed power uh, by the mechanical principles that are are going there. And and that is what we try to bring. The very big challenge uh, for the white industry Uh, the maritime industry is to adopt the right technology for the purpose. Currently, we are very spoiled with diesel engines, which provide a huge amount of power in a relatively compact package. And what we need to put in is relatively compact as well. For the future, we will see that there will be six, seven options to power a vessel. Depending on the type of trade it is doing, the type of operation it will do, the one hydrogen will be more useful or batteries will be more useful or ammonia comes into play. This is a a very different situation than we have been working for for the past, I don't know, 100 years being able to power our equipment with diesel. Okay, guys, moving forward here. uh, Do you expect that uh, IMO, the IMO tier 3 regulation and any further regulation can support the developments of this agenda, the environment concern? What do you think about it? Elisio, in my point of view, uh, tier 3 was the first movement in order to reduce emissions. For sure, they reduced the NOx and SOx and reduced, reduced, not eliminated the CO2. was the first. As you know, this certification is applied in, in Europe, not now in Brazil. So nowadays, you are building a tug with tier three because we like to be in front of the available technology. So, but tier three is uh, the first step to reduce emissions. This is my opinion. To add on that, uh, emissions is a very broad used word and took Boats or vessels emit a lot from noise, vibrations, but as well gases uh, related to the combustion engines. And for sure, tier three, uh, tier two, and now tier three are reducing and further reducing the amount of uh, NOx and SOx that are allowed to be emitted in certain regions. And I'm very proud that Wilson Sons, although not mandatory in the country, opts to adopt the technology that is available in the market to their vessels here in a region where it's not mandatory. But in my opinion, you guys are doing this because you believe in, in the value and, and the concept of reducing the, the footprint of the of your guys' operation. Uh, let me jump into here just a little one because I don't know Fox on tuggy boats. You know that is my love too. Do you think that uh, this field transition 
Fradizio through LNG, through hydrogen, for something. We can manage to deal with retrofits in the fleet that are existing nowadays, or you have to go for a green, I mean, a, a greenfield one, I mean, a new project, a new building. So consider our fleet, Eliezer, is tough, is high investment. So I myself consider the best way is for a new building, is starting new building. This is the way, because you have high power installed, diesel driven, how to move, how we can move, how to mobilize, for instance, gas. It will be easy. The engine nowadays running with gas is no big problem. But where to storage? The liquefied gas needs to have minus 160 temperature on board. Where? This is the problem. So, in my opinion, again, that we need to deeply consider the new building, which system we use. Always be hybrid. Why? Because where is the source? Where I can get, for instance, green hydrogen? Where? In, during, uh, in our coast. Where I can get gas, for instance, or methanol. Ethanol is the easiest one. So I think okay. that you should drive in the next generation for ethanol. Let's see what's happened. And you are in Brazil, so it's, it's like, I mean, it's a piece of cake. Robin, I think Adalberto give you some, something to think about it because you as a designer, the worldwide designer, may think how you can adapt your current fleet to choose hybrid fuel. So let me hear you. For sure. I'm not sure if everybody is aware how complex the systems on board of a tugboat are. It's a really a small package with a lot of power. And um, the vessels that were built in the past were built to last for 30 or 40 years in this configuration. I think by now, over the past 10 years in consumer equipment as well, we started to realize there is an afterlife and we need to recycle some of the components we put in. And so we see this develop as well. What what Adalberto mentions is let's go to an intermediate step. We do not know what will be the final answer at the end of our road, but let's go to an intermediate step, which is able to be upgraded after 10 years and change the power source from a diesel Diesel-driven generator or a diesel or conventional generator with a e-fuel, a drop-in fuel, to a fuel cell solution or a battery solution. So you only change part of the drivetrain and upgrade to a new technology. But to be able to do so, we need to consider this in the design now, so we can adopt the change in three or eight or ten years time. Robin, how data can support us on this, I mean, on these challenges? Because, I mean, we're talking about design, about the challenges uh, regarding fuel and, of course, the infrastructure. But something that we are seeing nowadays is also, of course, optimizing the use of data and using the data to, of course, not avoid the emission, but at least to optimize and being more efficient. What is your opinion about that? I think for any improvement, Eduardo, um, it starts with creating a benchmark. Where are we now? What are we doing now? And how can we identify the areas where we can actually improve? So the key to reduce the amount of fuel we use in a specific operation or the amount of energy uh, independent of the source of the energy is by having a good understanding when are we using this energy and how are we using the vessel at that moment. And this starts with collecting the data now or preferably of operations in the past. So a thorough analysis can be done based on the data and we can create the next step or the next two steps forward. So for sure, as in any industry, 
industry, collecting the data and analyzing data is a, a key element to allow improvements towards the future in the maritime industry. Eduardo, would you start on that? So is using telemetry. So nowadays you are receiving data. So our planning is next step is sending data, receiving and sending. This is we are preparing to. This is the next step that you are going to use. This initiative, I mean, it, it doesn't look, but uh, I mean, if you go through, because when you have the telemetry, you don't have the data real time, you can optimize your fuel consumption as well. So it's another way to address the ESG agenda as well. So guys, thank you. Just to finalize the episode today, I want to hear a little bit about you guys regarding the new cycle that we are experiencing right now for new building investors. I mean, the ship industry was hit a lot in the back decade. A lot of turmoils went, happened. So we nowadays the ship owners are experiencing a high level of daily rate vessels. So the market is booming. Do you think that we will just start a new cycle? Just a new buildings? I see that the shipyards in Asia are delivering vessels like never. What do you think about it? We are now in a new cycle of new buildings. I can mention about our country, Brazilian market. For sure, the government are doing a lot of efforts in order to improve the feeder service. So feeder service is a step that will be improved in Brazil using this new rule of BR do Mar. Another point, as you know, we produce a lot of commodities as soya beans or... So the inland navigation is another way to improve this, another way to transfer this cargo. So, and also for us, our activity in towage, the vessels are getting bigger, the movement are getting higher, so we need to be present. So these three markets, in my opinion, the towage markets, the feeder markets, inland water, will be the future in our case for Brazil. Robin, how about your perspective like worldwide? What do you see is happening? For sure, uh, in the past two years, uh, we saw how dependent our worldwide economy is on transportation, uh, both through the uh, the pandemic influence uh, with all of the inability to operate ports and vessels, but as well the Suez Canal issue. We see that our supply chain is very, very dependent on worldwide transportation. So now we saw the vulnerability of it. People start to see the value of it as well. Uh, the prices are, are going up in the international shipping market, uh, which allows uh, shippers to invest money in new build ships, trying to reestablish the balance in the trade markets uh, to support the worldwide economy. So for sure, worldwide, uh, we see that there is an increasing trend of shipbuilding. And in Europe at this moment, uh, we experience an energy, almost energy crisis as well which for sure will have a large impact on shipping capability of liquefied gas and other uh, alternatives trying to change our energy mix. good so thank you thank you robin thank you adalberto this has been a wonderfully rich episode so if the maritime uh, industry used to be considered old-fashioned conservative i would say that we have come to the conclusion today that this perspective is in the best so uh, new markets and new opportunities are ahead of us so thank you adalberto i don't know if lucky us, <laughs> Eduardo. Lucky us. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if you and Adalberto, you and Robin would like to, to say something uh, before we finish. Eduardo and Eliso, it was a pleasure to share our way of thinking, what we have been doing here uh, in our shipyard. So I'm at your disposal, please. Feel free. Robin, thank you also to share with us your technology, your knowing about the market outside. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Alberto, Elicio, and Eduardo. For me, it's always a, a wonderful experience to exchange our understanding of the technology in the market with uh, Alberto. And very interesting as well to talk to our end clients. Uh, Eduardo and Elisio to understand what is the the demands that the operational team has got from the vessels and and the changes they see within their clients. Um, so I really appreciate uh, being invited here and being able to share understandings and knowledge across this platform. Thank you very much, Robin. When it comes to my job as a towed commercial director, I wake up every day thinking about how can I reduce my footprint. Man, that's something that I've, I've been asking a lot lately. So I think there is a goal of a comp to be sustainability is, is one of our goals. But think about it. Put a lot of efforts on this. We are very happy to contribute uh, to your guys' success. So uh, so let's pick up the glove and, uh, and work on this uh, together. Thank you. Thank you. So Connect Podcast ends here. Thank you for listening. If you want to talk to us, go to wilsonsons.com.br. I'm Eduardo Valença. And I'm Elise Dourado. And I hope to see you in the next episode to talk about a new topic of maritime infrastructure in Brazil and worldwide. See you then. <laughs>